0: So far in this series, I've explained to you that every soul is desiring only for the perfect happiness, which would be of an unlimited amount and would last forever, never to be disrupted even for a moment by even a touch of unhappiness or dissatisfaction. Every soul desires this and we all desire it naturally because we are all unch of Bhagwan. It means we're a part of God, we're a part of His power. So we're naturally related to Him, which means we have a natural attraction to Him. What's the correlation between wanting happiness and wanting God? Well, God is happiness. That perfect happiness I described is the very definition of god anando brahma god himself is anand god himself is happiness so every single soul desires happiness or every single soul desires god the vedas tell us Iha bodhum O human beings, O souls inhabiting a human body, if you find God in this life, if you know God, before this body ends, meaning your current body, your human body, it is good. If you don't, a big disaster for you, because you may have to go and circulate through millions of lifetimes in all the other species of existence. issue means for kalpas, for billions of years. So there's something special about being born as human as it relates to our goal of God-realization, there's something special about being a human. What is it that makes human beings special so that Vedas are saying, Oh, humans, you have to know God in this life. Vedas is not saying, Oh, all souls born in any species, no. O oh, souls born in the human species, you must know God before this life ends. Well, for one thing, as we compare with all the other beings of this earth planet, we have more knowledge, a higher power of discrimination. Our intelligence is greater. You see, there are, three kinds of living beings. You could divide all the living beings on the earth into three types. Jara, meaning unmoving, like sthava. Then Chetan or Jangam, meaning uh, those who get to move around, those who have the ability for locomotion. And then you have human beings. So it's like a hierarchy, based on the power of of the brain, of intelligence, of all those species, you see the ones who can move around, they make use of the jar species. Animals eat plants. Human beings make use of everything. We can tame lions, we can make use of plants. We have the ability, due to our intellect, to bring any living being under our control. That's only due to the intellect of a human being. So as far as jnana goes, <coughs> human beings are on a higher level than other living beings. Namanusham binanyatra tulabhyate garur puran Only human beings have the ability to acquire tatvagjnan, but what gyan means spiritual knowledge. No other life form has the ability to learn about these things, topics relating to God, soul, God realization, all of these things. Now someone may question that uh, amongst the Chaurasi la kioni, eight point four million species of existence. There are also Devthats, the celestial beings who inhabit Swar. They're also living beings like us. Souls can go over there and be born in Swarv as a reward for all their good actions that they perform as a human being. Some people get to go and spend some time in Swar. So over there, the body you get, And the brain you get, you have a higher knowledge, a much greater way to enjoy, because over there, your body doesn't perspire, it doesn't get dirty, it doesn't smell bad. No one over there has to wear cologne to mask the smell of their body or perfume. Your body stays clean all the time. There's no hunger or thirst, no disease or old age. There is death because you don't get to stay there forever. You go there for some time and then you have to come back. But while you're there, there's no physical pain. So, you would wonder that, uh, okay, Ved is praising the human body, but Why? dure sad granthani gava. Even the Ramayan says those celestial gods desire to be born as human. Can you imagine? If you were in such a position where you had no physical pain, no hunger, no thirst, they don't their feet don't even touch the ground when they walk, they just kind of hover and float. If one of those celestial beings appeared in our midst due to the beauty and the just the natural fragrance emanating from their body, the amount of enjoyment we would get from that would overwhelm us and we'd fall unconscious. And those celestial gods want to be born as a human being? Why? doesn't seem to make much sense. This body is always troubling us. One thing or another is bothering us all the time. You wash yourself, and within an hour or two, again, the body's back in the same state it was before you bathed, have to clean your teeth, your mouth, your toes, your hair, everything needs cleaning all the time. So much trouble with this human body. So many things that can go wrong, so many, like, You you have books this thick describing all the different diseases that a human body can have and those celestial gods want to be born as a human? Yes, they do. So it means there's something very special about it. And it's not just knowledge because they have greater knowledge than we do. Then what is it? In the Ramayana there's a a, description of a conversation between Garurji and Kag Bhushundi. Garudji is asking questions. He asked seven main questions. Pratha Sharira O my master, he asked Kag Bhushundi, Please tell me, what is the rarest birth to receive? Out of all the species you can be born into, what's the most valuable and rarest? He said, the most rare and the most valuable birth to receive is the human birth, and all living beings desire to be born as human jeeva chara chara All souls want to be born as human, even the celestial gods. So why is that? Tulsi ji explains. narak swarga Jnana virag bhakti sukha deni. He says, with a human body you have the ability to go to narak. Oh, that's something worth having. We want a human body so we can go to narak. No, we may not want to go to narak, but the possibility is there. He says, Naraka swarga apavarga bhakti you could attain any of these things having received a human body. So, the first one he mentions is Narak because, truthfully speaking, that's the most likely percentage wise. Because we have this knowledge as human beings. When you have knowledge, then it's an opportunity but it's also a danger. Because with the knowledge, you can do good or you can bad. An animal can do neither good nor bad. So nothing they do counts as karma. It's not karma, it's just a a doing which will produce no karmic result for them. But as a human being, whatever we do, since we have the ability to discriminate between right and wrong, so everything we do counts as a karma and it's classified according to our intention behind that action. So with that knowledge, if a person doesn't use it for good, then they're definitely going to use it for bad. If we don't use it to go towards God, then we'll use it selfishly in the world. And we may do many, many wrong actions in order to fulfill our worldly desires. For instance, or as an analogy, if you're riding a bicycle and you get in an accident... You know, you go over a bump and you fall off your bike. Okay, you got in an accident, it's not that serious. If you get in a car accident, going a hundred miles an hour, it's a lot more serious. If you get in, if you're in a plane and you get in an accident, big trouble. So similarly, more knowledge, more pose- more potential for disaster. What will a dog do compared to a human? You know, a human being has that knowledge, so he can, he can do great crimes that no other animal could even imagine. We can break into any security system, any vault. If a dog wants to steal something, what's the dog going to do? Right in front of everybody, he's just going to run up and grab that roti in his mouth and run the other way. Everybody's looking at him. Hmm. The dog has no uh, cunning in that way. He's just totally bola. But as human beings, we're not bola like that. We have that craftiness due to our intelligence. So we can use that to perform great sins. So that's why Tulsi ji says, having received a human birth you have a chance to go to narak. If you don't use your knowledge for good, you may end up going to narak. It's also a temporary thing like going to swarga, which is the next thing he mentions. Naraka swarga. Having received a human birth, you may use it to do great punya, great good actions. Te tam swarga lokam so then, based on your punya, you go to Swarga and you enjoy the extensive pleasures of Swarga. But, Chirne punya martyalo kambi gita. You come back here once your punya is used up. It's like uh, saving up $100,000 in the bank, but then you stop working, you just go on vacation and spend it. Eventually the money runs out, and your vacation is over. So you built up a stock of punya while you were a human being, so you get to go to Swarg and enjoy, but each enjoyment you get over there uses up some of your punya, and when it runs out, you come back here. So obviously it's better to go to Swarg than to Narak, but both are temporary and both result in you returning here of is the next one he mentions, which is getting liberation. I mentioned that briefly yesterday, that moksha or liberation, means to never be born again on this earth planet, not as a human being, not in any life form. Just leaving this body behind and merging into God, just your soul with no mind, no senses, no body, and entering into a state of non-experiential blissfulness. You're blissful, but you don't experience it because you have no mind or senses or body. So it's like a state of total... like when you're asleep or in a coma. You have no awareness of your own self or anything else. Not just asleep, but deep sleep when you're not even dreaming. So this is the state of liberation. In order to attain liberation, someone has to desire for something beyond swar, meaning liberation from all things mayak, because even swar is mayak. And beyond that, you can get bhakti. Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji says, Taro Madhye Kaitava Pradhan out of the four purusharth, dharma, arth, kaam moksha, he says first of all they're all kaitam, because they all are not the topmost goal. Pancham purusharthesh, pancham purusharth sei prema mahadhan, purusharth shiromani sei prema mahadhan. He says a couple of different ways, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu does. That there's a fifth goal, beyond the four which people commonly refer to, and that is prema or bhakti, the divine love of Radha Krishna. If you don't make that your goal and you make it one of those four, then you remain bereft of prema. So that's why those four are called kaitab. Kaitab means deception. So dharma, arth and kaam, they all keep you within maya and moksha releases you from maya but he says moksha van chakaitava Pradhan The desire for moksha is the worst of all, it's the worst deception of all because at least if you stay within the field of dharma, arth and kaam, you're under maya, you're getting birth after birth. You'll get a human birth again one day. And you have the chance of getting the correct knowledge from a Rasik Mahapurush, following the path of Raganuga Bhakti and attaining that divine brain There's a chance. But once you get Moksha, that's forever. Nasapunara Vartate, Nasapunara Vartate. <inaudible> Ved says you never come back. So you enter that state of no experience and remain bereft of that divine love forever. You remain bereft of any experience of God forever. So that's why Tulsidasji, after Apavarg, mentions Bhakti. So, as a human being, we have the opportunity to attain any of these things. It's up to us. It's up to the karma we perform. So now you understand what makes being human special. On one hand, we have jnana, and in addition to that, we have karma karne ka adhikar. We have the privilege of performing karma. Karma means not just actions, that not just doings like animals do. Karma means Actions which are being recorded by God and which we will receive the result of and can result in our going up or down depending upon the nature of our actions so that's what makes being human special otherwise in every other respect <laughs> Samānyame tatpaśubhira-nara-nām Jñānam hitesā madhiko viseśo Jñāne nahīnā paśubhissamāna Bhartri Hari says Human beings and other animals are the same in four respects. Other than Gyan, if you don't, uh, you know, if you remove that power of intelligence and discrimination from the human being, then they're the same as animals. Ahar, we eat, animals eat. Nidra, we sleep, they sleep. Bhai, we fear, they fear maithun, we reproduce, they reproduce. So what's the difference between us and animals? Other than that ability, our intelligence, Bhartriya says we're the same. But really if you look at how we live nowadays, if you remove that ability to attain God, which is the speciality of being born human, and you just look at these four things he mentioned, You could make a case that we're below animals. Take aha, eating. Has any animal ever had to be treated for clogged arteries, heart disease, diabetes? No. You know why? Because they eat the food in its natural state. They don't eat for taste. Again, you could say it's because of the intelligence. Human beings have that gyan. So what do we use it for? To spoil our food. <laughs> Cook it, overcook it, over oil it, over spice it. Then we eat it and say, ah, mazaya. <laughs> but in the process, we spoil our health. So in terms of eating, animals eat a very healthy diet. And they eat to live, whereas many human beings seem to live to eat, which ends up spoiling our health. Sleep also. Animals sleep on a very regular schedule. They're not erratic like us. One day staying up until 2 a.m., the next day sleeping at 8 p.m., one day getting up at 5 a.m., one day sleeping (coughs) until noon. No, they follow a very regular schedule, which is also healthy for their body. Animals, looking at the third thing, animals don't have irrational fears. Does an animal fear walking through a cemetery at night? No. Does an animal... Fear. See, I know people who uh, they would never live across from a cemetery. Why? Well, what difference does it make? No, we have those fears. They're irrational fears. Are animals afraid of the dark? So many human beings are afraid of the dark. So in terms of fear also, it seems that animals are superior to us. And in terms of reproducing, again, animals do it simply according to the nature, according to their own life cycle, in order to propagate their own species, whereas human beings do it more for recreation. So in these four ways, animals seem to be superior to us as human beings. The only thing that sets us apart is the chance that having been born as human, we can attain God no other living being, not animals or plants of this earth, not celestial gods. They don't have the chance to perform karma and they don't have the chance to attain God. That's why we're called karma yoni. We have the ability to perform karma. And all other beings, including the celestial gods, they're called bhobiyoni. Vogioni means that they're undergoing the consequences of what they did the last time they were human, and whatever they're doing in this life, it's not counting towards their future, destiny, or anything. But they do have a destiny to undergo in this life, the suffering and enjoyment they get in this life is due to what they did, the karma they performed the last time they were human. So it's a very special thing to be a human being, a very unique opportunity. Thus Shankaracharya says, Manujadeha mimam bhuvidurlabham samadhikam yasuraira pivanchitam Bishayalam Patta Mapahayavai Bhajatere Manuja Kamala Patim. He says, O souls, you've been born as human beings. Worship Krishna in this life. Don't you know that even the celestial gods desire to be born as humans? So take advantage of this birth. Vishayalam patata Don't just get immersed, infatuated in all the worldly enjoyments and forget about your higher ultimate goal. Take advantage of this chance as a human being. As an animal you can also have a family, get attached to it, eat, sleep, do all those things that we do as human. What sets us apart? Animals forage in the forest or in the jungle. We go to Apna (laughs) Bazaar, but we, we eat. Animals have family. They get attached to that family just like we do. They love their children. They love their mates just like we do. So, what makes us different? The only thing that makes us different is the chance to attain God. Nrideha Madhyam. Madhyam. The Bhagavatam says that this Nrideha. It's a means to an end. Our ultimate end. Nritehamadhyam sulabham sudurlabham plavam sukalpam guru karnadharam mayan Puman atmaha. Shri Krishna is saying this to Buddha and there is an exact translation of this in the Ramayan when Shri Ram is addressing the Ayodhyavasis when he says, नर्तनु भाव वारिधि कहू बेरो सम्मुख मर्त अनुग्रह मेरो कारण धार सतगुरु दृढ नावा दुर्लभ साज सुलभ करि पावा जो न तरई सागर Narisamaja asapai Sokritanyindakamandamati Jai. The meaning is that this human body is like a boat, a worthy vessel to take you across the endless ocean of Maya. You have God's grace as the wind in your sails and if you have the guidance of a true saint then you have the helmsman to guide your boat. So if you've received all of that, the human body which is in itself God's grace and the guidance of a true saint and you still don't take advantage of that to cross this ocean of maya and reach God, then both Shri Krishna and Sri Ram say, ātama hanagati jāi. We're like the killer of our own self because the only thing we want is to attain God and we've received this human birth which is the only chance to do that and yet we just do the same thing as a human that we do when we're born in any other species and we ignore the one speciality of being human which is the chance to attain God. Sādhan-dhāma-mokcha-kar-dvārā parlok savara Sō-paratr-duhkh-pāvai sira dhuni dhuni Karma hi hi this is sadhana dham It means we can use this for doing sadhana. Sadhana means something you do to accomplish your sadhya. Sadhya means your goal, that which you want to attain. So this is our sadhana dham and having received this sadhana dham which is so rare to receive, again if we don't use it to attain our topmost goal of knowing God, then Tulsidas ji says we'll regret it, at the end we'll feel so much regret that we've wasted this opportunity and we let it slip by Mithya We put the blame or we put the responsibility in the wrong place. We say, oh when God graces me then I'll know Him. It means I have like chutti. Oh, I can't do anything. People say, oh, not even a leaf can flutter in this world without the will of God, without the grace of God. What can I do? How can I know God? So if it's in God's hands, then why hasn't He graced us already? There has to be something we have to do to receive that grace. So we have to follow the path to God. We have to do bhakti then we can receive His grace. All the great saints in the past, Mira, Tulsidas, Surdas, they all received God's grace because they did something in order to receive it. And we just sat back in every life and said, Oh, when He decides to grace me, then I'll get God realized. No, He doesn't have to decide. We have to decide that we want His grace. Then we can receive it. We put the blame on our circumstances. We say, oh, it's not the right time. When the right time, when the right circumstances happen, meaning again, oh, it's all out of my hands. I can't do bhakti. I'm too busy. My life is too complicated. When things become easier, then I'll do bhakti. Or we put it on karma, on our destiny. We say, oh, when it's in my destiny, I'll find God. No, it's not controlled by destiny. It's controlled by our own effort to do devotion and receive God's grace. So if we don't realize our own responsibility to do this, then this opportunity of this human life slips through our hands and we don't know when we'll receive another one Every once in a while, God graces us to receive a human birth. Some people are under the mistaken assumption that once you receive a human birth, you can't go back. Like it's some kind of evolution. Oh, I was born in all those other species and now I've received a human birth. So no matter how bad I am, I'll always keep being born as human. No, it's not so. We have been born as human uncountable times in the past. And then after having been born as human, we've gone and been born in the lower species uncountable times. So we go up and down, up and down, even after having gone to Swarg, imagine, let alone being a human. Ved says, Ishta manyamana varishtam nanyat treo vedayante pramudha nakasyaprishtete sukrite nubhutve mam lokam hinataram vavishanti. In other words, after having gone to Swarg, you can come back, well you do come back here on this earth planet, but you can come back in the lower species. You can come back as a dog, as an insect, not necessarily as a human being. So if having gone to Swarg, you can be born in the lower species, and of course, after being a human being, you can also be born in the lower species. So, we receive this human birth. Now that we're human, our every single thought is counting as karma. And God is recording all of that. And according to that, we get our next birth. And it's not only about being a good person. Being good does not guarantee you'll be born as human. Why? Because being good is not the ultimate goal. Attaining God is the ultimate goal, and that's ultimately the reason we were given this human birth. So imagine all the other souls, I mean, who who aren't in a human form. Think about it how many trees are there in the world each one of those trees is a soul like you and i how many flowers plants ants insects beetles fish frogs it's mind-boggling if you were to count the number of living beings, I don't mean the number of species, the number of living beings on this earth planet, and consider that each one of them has a soul, then go even smaller. Microorganisms, bacteria, they're all alive, they have souls. It means that if you were to just go outside and dig a hole in the ground, the number of organisms in that hole in the ground would probably exceed the number of human beings on our Earth planet. Just go and take a bucket of ocean water. In that seawater, there would be more living beings than there are humans on the Earth planet. And all of those living beings, all of those souls, well, what are they waiting for? They can't do anything you can say they can't progress towards anything in those other species. So they're all waiting to be born as human. So right now we're taking up space as a human being. There's a limited number of humans that can exist on this planet. The population can't be too high. So it means out of all the souls existing on this earth planet, we're amongst the very few. Who have currently received a human birth. What percentage? If you had the total number of living beings, what percentage of them are human beings? I don't think you could properly calculate it because the number of living beings on this earth planet, although it's not infinite, it would be uncountable. It's too big of a number. You can't count it. And there are only Six billion humans, or maybe more now, I can't keep track, the population is growing fast. But it's a minuscule percentage, and we're among those souls who are born as human. So it means this life is a really rare opportunity. Sudur labham. It's extremely rare. So that's why it's said that having received this chance, if we don't take advantage of it, well, there's no telling when we'll get another chance to be born as human. It could be a very, very long time. Sargeshu. Vedas say, it could be not just one sarg. Sargeshu. In many sarg. After many sarg, you may get a chance to be born as human. A sarg is a kalp. A kalp is made up of 1,000 times around the four yugas. The four yugas are Satyug, Treta Yuga, Dwapar Yuga and Kalyug. Kalyug is 432,000 years long. Dwapar Yuga is 864,000 years long. Treta Yuga is 1,296,000 years long and satyug is one million seven hundred and twenty eight thousand years long add it all up and you get four million three hundred and twenty thousand years for one time around the four yugas some people think there's a Pralay after kalyug no there's a Pralay after a thousand of those cycles so a thousand cycles is four billion 320 million years, that's one day of Brahma, that's 12 hours of Brahma's one day, 4,320,000,000 years, and Brahma's night is the same duration, so 8,640,000,000 years, that's one day and night of Brahma, that's a sarg, that's a kalm. Veda is saying Sargeshu. It could be many such ka before you get another human birth. So there's two ways to motivate someone, right? One is by showing them, oh, what can you attain if you if you get this? How much enjoyment will you get? Well, if you attain God, just imagine whatever happiness you've had in this world multiplied by uncountable times that's the happiness of attaining God so that's like an incentive a positive incentive another way to motivate someone is with fear Mm -hmm. if you don't do that what's going to happen to you so Ved tells both sides what will you get and if you don't do that then what will you lose so not getting another human birth for a long, long time is a scary scenario. So we have to take advantage of this this life. And we have to do it now. That's the other thing. Durlabho <laughs> manusho deho dehinam chana the Bhagavatam says that this human birth is very rare to receive, but there's something about it which is uh, which you can't count on, and that thing is that this human birth is charna bhangur. Charna means in a in a moment. Charna bhangur, it can be gone in a moment, like a, a bubble floating on the surface of a liquid. You're watching it, watching it, because you know. How long does a bubble last? It can burst at any second. That's what Chana Bhangur means. That's what this human life is like. We don't know how long we will live. We don't know how long this life will last. janati mrityukalo bhavishyati Mahabharat. Who knows when they're going to die? One time... Yudhishthir was very busy and it so happened that on that day a Brahman came to him and needed some wealth in order to pay for the marriage of his daughter. So he came to Yudhishthir and he asked for some gold in order to finance that. That's Traditionally that's what you do as a Brahman. You just go to any kshatriya if you need something. The kshatriya, the ruler, he has to give it to you. So that brahman went and asked and Yudhisthira said, Oh yes, yes, I will give it, certainly, no problem, but not today. I'm so busy today. Please come back tomorrow. So that brahman went away. What could he do? The king said, come back tomorrow. So after the brahman left, Bhim Singh, Yudhishthira's younger brother, he thought... Uh, you know, he could have at least told me to arrange to give the gold to the brahman or something. And now he's promised that brahman that he'll give it tomorrow. What if he dies before tomorrow? Then his promise will be unfulfilled. And he'll suffer because of that. My older brother. No, I have to find some way of making him realize his mistake. So in a roundabout way, he came up with a plan. He told the Prime Minister, he said, uh, today is a big celebration. Tell all the citizens to decorate and arrange for this huge festival that we're going to celebrate. He didn't tell him what it was. So all the preparations were being made and Yudhishthira noticed what's going on. Today's not Janmashtami, it's not Ram Nomi. Well, what? What's all this preparation for? So he called Bhim Singh. What's going on? Do you know? Beem said, oh yes, I arranged for this. Why? What's the occasion? Brother, the occasion is that today you have defeated death. You have defeated Kaal. Dhishthira said, what are you talking about? No one can defeat Kaal even when god himself comes on the earth planet he stays for a certain period and then he goes after that shri krishna stayed for 125 years ram stayed for 11000 years but after their time was up even yamraj came to them now it's a different matter that when yamraj comes to shri krishna or to ram it's with folded hands he bows down and touches their feet and says, I'm just here to remind you that according to the the time you had set before coming, that time is up, so if you'd like to go, I'm just doing my duty of reminding you, that's all. If you want to stay longer, you can stay longer. But in other words, even when God comes in this world, he obeys time. So Yudhishthir is thinking uh, Bhim what are, what are you talking about there's no way i could have conquered Kaal. So Bhim says but you told that brahmin to come back tomorrow hmm. it means you have some kind of guarantee that you're going to live to tomorrow i don't know anyone else who has that guarantee hmm. Yudhishthir said oh yes you're right quickly call him call that brahmin So we have this kind of complacency, because although we know we're going to die, we never think it's going to happen today. There was another time when Yudhishthira was questioned by a Yaksh. He asked him some questions. He asked him 60 questions. Out of those, one of the most important was, what is the most surprising thing in this world? So Yudhishthira answered, Ahanyahani bhutani gachanti hayamalayam shesha sthiratvamichanti mata param He says, to me the most surprising thing is that people see others dying around them all the time. Their loved ones, their acquaintances, They know of people dying, pets, everything dies, and people see with their own eyes that nothing lives forever, yet those who are left behind never think that their time is coming next. Even a father whose son dies, imagine, normally the father would die before the son, father grows old. Then the son takes care of him, eventually the father passes away. If the son dies first, then shouldn't that give the father pause? That, oh, if such a young person can die, then it means I could go at any time. Sometimes babies die just after a few minutes. You might get a few minutes, you might get a few hours, a few days, few years. Who knows? There's no guarantee even though we see this fact happening around us every day yet we don't accept for ourselves that we could go at any time we think oh i've got a good 80 90 100 years definitely so this is our this is just a complacency actually we we need to develop more of a sense of urgency based on the reality that every day could be our last It's not an imagination, it's the reality. Every day could be our last. So if we put off doing devotion to God, because we have so many other day-to-day things to do, then what do we end up getting out of this life? Just like I said, we did all the things that we can do in any other species, eating, drinking, sleeping, reproducing... And the one thing that we could do as a human that we can't do in any other species, we put that off. We put off following the path to God, thinking that it can wait until I take care of these other things. Even when we have the knowledge that I am a soul, I belong to God, God is my ultimate goal, still we put it off. Ratrirgamishyati bhavishyati prabhatam Bhaswanudeshyati pankajashri ittham vichintayati kosh gate dvirebhe hāhantahantanali neem gaj One time a bumblebee was enjoying the sweet nectar of a lotus flower sitting in the lotus pond. He noticed that the sun is setting. He knows that when the sun sets, the lotus closes for the night. But he thought, it doesn't matter. If it closes in the night, it will open in the morning when the sun again rises. So being intoxicated in the enjoyment of that nectar, of that lotus flower, he just kept smiling and the lotus closed around him. And that night, a very thirsty elephant came to that lotus pond, and as he was quenching his thirst, gulping down the water, he also happened to gulp down that very lotus flower where the bee was. So the bee's tomorrow never came. We always think our tomorrow is going to come. We always make plans for tomorrow. But tomorrow doesn't always come. One one day, there's going to be a day which is going to be our last day. And anyway, whatever we say we're going to do tomorrow never gets done because tomorrow never comes. If you think about it, it's always today, isn't it? It's always today. It's always now. So if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? If you keep saying tomorrow, well tomorrow is always tomorrow. Today is today, now is now, so we have to do it now. One time uh, a man just happened to meet Yamraj, even though it wasn't his time of death. And Yamraj was just passing by, the man invited him into his home, he served him some food, served him some tea, let him rest. Yamraj was very pleased with the man's service, so he said, uh, you know, if I can ever do anything for you, just let me know. So the man said, just do one thing for me. When you come for me, in other words, when it's my time of death, don't just surprise me, give me some warning, please. So Yamraj said, sure, no problem, I can do that for you. So, the man lived his life, and when Yamraj came for him, the man was not prepared. He was surprised, and he said, well, what are you doing here? I thought you were going to warn me. You didn't give me any warning. Yamraj said, you don't remember your first gray hair? You don't remember when your knees started aching, when you would bend over? You don't remember when your back started aching? All of those things were my warnings, death is coming, the time is coming. This is why Prahlad told his friends, pragyo dharman bhagavatam. He's just a young boy and he's instructing his schoolmates, start devotion now. Start devotion to God now. These are five, six-year-old boys. He's telling them, don't wait until you reach kumaravastha. Don't wait until you're like a teenager. No, no, no. Don't put it off. Start right now. When people are young, they think, oh, now's the time to play. Now's the time for school. I'll think about devotion to God later. When they get older, then they think, oh, now I have a family, now now I'm all wrapped up in this. I'll think of devotion to God when the kids grow up, when I retire. Then when they retire, they think, oh, when the grandkids grow up, then I'll have more time for devotion. Whole life goes by like that. So there's no sense putting it off. You'll never be less busy. You'll never be less attached in the world. In fact, worldly attachments go on growing throughout life. The older someone gets, the deeper and deeper their worldly attachments become. It's easier to turn towards God the younger you are. So, not only do we have to realize the value of this human birth in that it gives us an opportunity to attain God, but we have to also understand the chanabhangurata, Of this human life. The fact that it could be taken from us. At any moment. And because of this. With a sense of urgency. We should do devotion to God. Sense of urgency meaning. We should give it a high priority. Like eating. That's a high priority right. No matter how busy we are. We find time to eat. So food for our soul. Is God. Food for our body we get from the world, food for our soul we get from God, and we get that by doing bhakti. So we have to give that a high priority, just like the things that we need for our body. And then we will progress in the right direction. Then we can know God in this very life. However, there's one more thing to consider. Even though on one hand, Veda is saying, you have to know God and you must know Him now, in this very life. On the other hand, Veda says, Yasyamatam matam tasya matam matam na vedasaha avigyatam vijanatam vijyatam avijanatam Keno Panishad. The same Keno Panishad which is saying you have to know God in this life and if you don't know God in this life it's a big disaster for you the same Keno Panishad is saying the one who thinks he can know God is an utter fool the one who knows that God cannot be known he understands the truth so does it mean we have no chance of knowing God even though it's the goal of our life Come back tomorrow and find out.